Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest, Olympic champion, world champion, Leah Smith. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. just talking about it so let's start with food uh everyone's favorite we'll get to swimming later but you know obviously during quarantine everyone's picked up some new hobbies um during your time you know a lot more time indoors for everyone um what's what's the food scene been like for you lately yeah i would say when quarantine like first started in march that was something very exciting to me that i knew i could work on especially because my boyfriend came to live with me for most of quarantine. I finally like had more than one person to cook for. So, and he was kind of like my guinea pig testing out different dishes with me. So that was really fun to get into. I definitely got a little burnt, burnt out from it. Um, and now I'm kind of getting back into it, but it's nice that I honed in some skills, some cooking skills and some good dishes that I like during that time that I can like incorporate that are pretty easy now to me. Yeah. What, what are, what were some of the standout dishes that you ended up liking a lot? Let's see. So last year I started doing like FaceTime cooking with Katie McLaughlin, where we would pick a recipe and then we would cook together. Um, and it was super fun. And there was one that stood out to me, which was this curry and, um, that was my favorite dish and like really the only thing I knew how to make well. So I just kept making that like every single week. So I was like, okay, I need to branch out. But I I would say, let's see, I made a lot of different types of curry, um, pad thai, I'm kind of forgetting a lot of different baked goods. That was really fun. Some Mexican sweet bread. I got really into making my own pour over coffee which was really fun because I just had the, you know, like the standard big coffee machine with the carafe. Um, and so I got like a nice pour over set. That was really fun. Was having like, like with five the Chemex. Yeah. So I got, um, I got a bunch of stuff from the company fellow. Okay. And then I did end up getting the Chemex um, because I read a book about all different types of pour over. So that was really fun was having, insane amounts of caffeine during quarantine (laughs) um i'm i'm a big fan of coffee uh i know one of the coolest coffee places i've been was in charlottesville is it it's something with mud oh yeah um i don't know what the name is but i think a lot of my i think a lot of my friends used to go study there um when they needed just like a fun place nice little good vibe. Probably didn't do a lot of studying. Maybe they just sat on their. That place is cool. Hold on. So I'm interested. What's this book that you read on pour overs? So it's called craft coffee and it basically goes through every single way of making pour over coffee, I think, Mm -hmm. and all the different equipment and it rates all of them. So there's like the Hario 
pour over, there's Chemex. Um, and then it also talks about like making your own really good cup of coffee that tastes like a coffee shop. Mm. And it talks about like the ratio, the bean size, the water temperature, and all of these factors that you need to replicate a really good cup of coffee every single time. And you need to like take notes. And so I was playing around with that and that was really fun. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally, you've, you've got me hook, line and sinker right now. I'm all in. (laughs) That sounds Yeah. Go get the book. It was pretty cheap and really helped me learn a lot about coffee. And then I bought like three more coffee books after that that I haven't gone to yet, but yeah. Do you have a, I mean, do you like black coffee or do you have a favorite way to prep your coffee? So as I started making my own coffee, I um, was drinking so much of it that I just started to drink it black, which was like really scary to me. That's like so adult, like just black coffee. Um, And I was like, (laughs) I was at the point where I was having like two venti cold brews a day. Like, so some days I would make my own and then some days I would go get some. And, um, I was drinking black, but now I'm back to like adding just a little bit of sweetness. So what I've been doing recently, if I make it myself is like black and then I'll make like a nice cold foam or hot foam, which is what I did with my matcha right here. This little, um, vanilla foam on top. So yeah. Is that like a foam machine? Do you have a certain machine for that as well? Mm-hmm. It's a frother. And then I have like a hand frother too, which you can make the cold <laughs> foam with. Mel Stewart. Or, you I, know. I have all the gear. <laughs> I I spent a lot of, a good bit of money on getting a nice setup, which was worth it for me. It's I you know, it's the small comforts, especially now. That can that can really make a difference. Mel Mel Stewart, you know, some same co-founder, my boss. He he has a hand frother and he loves it. He mm-hmm. like he's like, do you want froth in your coffee this morning? I'll get there, and I'm like, no. And he's like, you're lost. <laughs> He'll yeah, sit it's there like and- a little treat. <laughs> I think that it's cool that everyone spent so much time at home that they realized like what they needed at home to make it comfortable. And so I feel like so many people like got new toys and like new gear or they redecorated because everybody was like, oh, I actually don't like my house or I'm super bored. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's super interesting. I could talk about coffee all day, but that brings up a really good point. I think did were, did you have other areas that you were branching out that you know you did get new toys or spruce up your house? I mean, did you take on other projects like that? I did. I so I have a really nice porch, um, and has a great view of the mountains out, out here, and. I love spending time out there, but I really only had like a porch swing that I had bought. Didn't have anything else that made it more homey. Mm. And uh, so I bought a bunch of plants that I was excited about. Maybe too much. Didn't really research them. Um, And then I wanted to tile my porch um, because it's just concrete. And so that was funny. Uh, I realized that... um, I had miscalculated the square footage. So I guess you like just the 
equation that I used like gave me a, a third of the tiles that I needed. Um, <laughs> oh. that, that was really funny the day that I laid them all down and was like, I guess I'm missing <laughs> most of these. Um, but so yeah, I retiled my porch. I um, bought a bunch of plants, hung them up and bought this um, my monstera and she's still going strong. Never thought I could keep a plant alive for a year. So that's been <laughs> exciting. Um, yeah, I did finish my like guest room in my apartment. So I did a few home projects, but yeah. Yeah. The, you mentioned the mountains and my older brother lives in Albuquerque and, you know, we talk pretty regularly, but it's like, he, he, you know, talking to him like four to six months into the pandemic, he was like, yeah, this is a really good place to be when like you, the only thing you can do is go outside and walk. And I'm just, I'm curious, it, like was Tucson a good place to be if you're, if you're stuck in your house or like, can you go on walks there? Can you go to the mountains pretty easily? So the, it was for a good bit. The weather was amazing. Like March up until from March to May, mm. um, because March was super comfortable, not too hot. And kind of end of May was, it started to get really, really hot. Um, but the mountains directly behind my house, like I can get to a trail in five minutes, which is so great. However, um, there were a lot of wildfires. And so all the trails behind my house, which is where uh, my boyfriend and I really like to go, they're all closed still. And it's been about the fire ended, fire started in June. So it's been a while. And I think they're just like repairing them and they're super damaged. But there's, I mean, there's tons of mountain ranges out here. So just with a bit of a drive, you can go to another one. But yes, Tucson was a really good place until it got really, really hot. Um, and just like, it's not, I wouldn't say it's super fun to just be out in the middle of the day when it's like 105, 110. <laughs> like I like swimming in that. I think that's yeah. fun because you're in the water, but just like existing in 110, 105 degree weather is like pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> um, and that, so that's, that's a good segue into just, you know, the, into the swim stuff. Um, the pandemic started mid-March. Were you at the Des Moines Pro Swim last March? I was, yes. Okay. So I went, I went to Des Moines and then I went straight to the Olympic Training Center for the national team camp. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be spending a month there. And then going straight to the Irvine Pro Series. Mm -hmm. So it was going to be just a big chunk. But it was championship season. And so that, that's what I usually like to do when my team is like kind of traveling a lot of different taper plans. I'll go to the national team camp. So that was an interesting experience, like being at the OTC. And then it was like just so many things different things going on. I remember flying to the Des Moines pro series and seeing people in the airport with masks on. And I was like, interesting. Like, should I be wearing one? And, but th at that time, everybody was like, no, you don't need to wear masks, like save them for the, um, healthcare workers. And so anyway, that was, um, I think we had about a week 
at the OTC before we had to, we were told to leave. And then, yeah, that just kind of, everything went downhill from there. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, t- take me through your experience, what you were able to do. I'm guessing you were out of the pool for at least a chunk of time. Mm-hmm. So when I got back to Tucson, I think NCAAs had already been canceled by then and um, kind of like athletic. I think most athletic departments had told teams to that they couldn't practice. And so I couldn't train at the U of A pool. So I was at a little country club pool because we didn't know if the Olympics were going to be canceled or not. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that was about a week time frame. Um, between when everything started to get canceled and when the Olympics got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, um, after they were canceled, it was sort of like there wasn't really a sense of urgency. So I did take a break for a good bit. Um, and then I was able to access some local pools out here. Um, but it was sort of like, lot of restrictions and you couldn't really like get that much time. So I, most of like April and May, I kind of just focused on like staying in touch with the water. Like I, I was probably doing anywhere from like 2k to four, four or 5k. Like it really just depended on the day and like what I felt like I could do that day because kind mm-hmm. of like doing it without a plan was difficult, but I went ham on Peloton. I was doing it like two times a day. I made a little schedule for myself. Um, I planned out like what days I was going to do what minute rides. And, um, some of the girls on the national team, uh, we all had a group chat of those who had access to a Peloton and we were like, I'm going to get on at six if anyone wants to like race me. And so that was so fun. I think it was like Ashley Twitchell, Natalie Hines, Madison Cox, um, Dre bot. And I think there were some other girls in there, but that was super fun. Just, um, knowing that like, yeah, we all couldn't like race against each other, but we could like bike. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It was, so you were able to swim for, for, you know, as, as needed, you were able to Peloton. Did you add anything else in there? Um, I was doing a little bit of Peloton actually has a lot of like really cool core workouts and um, yoga classes. So I was throwing those in there um, and my like strength coaches were writing me stuff, knowing that what equipment I had at home, which wasn't a lot, but I have like some kettlebells and bands and stuff. So I was able to like stay in touch with that, but I couldn't lift um, like actual weights until I think the end of May. And so that was a large chunk um, of time to take off of lifting. Um, just cause like my little 20 pound kettlebells is not what I deadlift. So, <laughs> so that was hard, but um, I was able, I mean, I know that most States, I don't actually don't know the statistics, but I know that there were a lot of States that didn't have gyms open for a while. So I was pretty lucky that um, my gym was able to stay open. 
Uh, oh, sorry. I think I think mine's lagging a little bit. Um, yeah, sorry, mine was too. Okay, you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so your your gym was able to stay open. Was there a certain time when you were able to get back into the water? And, and into the gym and kind of get on a more normal schedule then? Um, let's see. Okay. So the whole time that, um, we were out of the pool, it was difficult because like certain athletic departments were doing different things and we, um, were kind of like holding out hope, like, okay, maybe we can get back in like first week of June. And then it would sort of be like, maybe it'll be the end of June. And eventually um, I just kind of was like thinking like, probably not looking good that we're gonna get in to the university this summer at all. So I, um, my boyfriend lives in Fort Collins. Um, so, and he had lived with me for most of the beginning of quarantine. And so, when it got really, really hot and we just couldn't really do anything outside in Tucson, we were like, let's go to Colorado. And so we lived there and I was able to swim with um, fast in Fort Collins. And that was like the beginning of my like consistent swimming. So I would say I got there like maybe beginning of July and I stayed until like first week of August or so. And I got to swim like with their team and they had a few college girls that were home, which was really nice. And it was just like so nice to get something consistent um, because it was getting really hard to like do stuff on my own or, and just like sign up for a different slot every day. Like one day you swim at seven, one day you swim at noon. And I was just like, I need, um, I need some consistency and also it just sounded like a good plan to switch things up and go to Colorado. So I got to um, swim and lift there pretty consistently until I left and came back here. Um, and the university still wasn't open, but I was able to train um, at a country club pool with Matt Grievers. And that was around the time that both he and I had decided to do ISL. So once we decided that, it was a lot easier to be like, okay, this is what we're training for. Um, like we can show up every day and like know like what we're working for and how soon it is. So, and then we got back, the university was allowed to get back in like mid-September. So that's when we got back in um, to swim with our coaches and with like the whole team. Um, and then I think we left for ISL like mid-October. So, um, I'd only gotten like a month with the team, um, before I left. And so I sort of was like, it's going to happen at ISL, <laughs> but I was feeling good before I left. And I knew that like, um, I had stayed in touch with the water. I'd stayed strong and I'd worked really hard, um, from like when I got back here in August and made a co made a plan with my coaches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a few questions from that one, 
back in Fort Collins when you were training with fast, you know, we just, what was that environment like? What kind of work were you doing with, with that club team and with those college swimmers as well? And, and how do you feel like you responded to that? Yeah. So I uh, was super thankful to the coaches, Mike and Chris for letting me come and join the team. And we had, um, Zoe Bartel was there for a little, Kylie Alons and um, Bailey Stewart. So those were some of the college girls that I got to work out with. And that was just really nice to um, have some people to race and practice and just like um, be on a similar like path as. And they were sort of in a phase where they were doing like multiple week um, like blocks of working on different fundamentals so when i got there we were on a backstroke um just like three weeks of backstroke and it was cool because that's like what usually what my coaches do when we've been out of the water for a long time is just reset your stroke just do a ton of drills like make sure that you are swimming correctly before we start aggressively training because they don't want to be having you practice a terrible stroke so that was really nice to just have that be my first like big block of more consistent training was a lot of it was focused on technique and efficiency and we still did like bigger main sets or harder main sets but um it was nice to just have that added focus and i got to lift with them which was different than my lifting it was more like um i guess circuit type stuff and different like different strength exercises. So less, less like barbell type lifting and more um, kind of dynamic stuff. So that was cool to challenge my, I, there was some stuff I was like really bad at and that was interesting to take, take back home with me. Um, yeah. And then I lost my smell and taste like while I was out there. And so I was like, Oh my gosh. So I started quarantining, got tested. Um, I was negative, but I still was a little worried that, and so I kept quarantining. So I ended up having to take two weeks off. And then the week I came back, we had like a little meet. Um, and I thought it would be fun to swim in it. So I did, but it was just kind of funny, like taking two weeks off and then being like, okay, time for a meet. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I would say it was a really good, um, I had a really good time training there and really welcoming team and was happy that I did that. Yeah. And I mean, it, sound, it sounds like a very positive experience. That's super cool that you had that opportunity. Um, and then you get back to Tucson, you're training with Matt. And like you said, you guys decide, okay, we're, we're doing ISL. We've got something to train for. I mm -hmm. mean, obviously you guys swim different events, <laughs> So, mm -hmm. just, you know, what's, what's training with just you and Matt Grievers like? That was really funny because <laughs> uh, Augie was writing our practices and he was like kind of struggling to figure out what was a good balance between me and Matt. <laughs> and there were some sets that were just so like Matt's like, we are just complete opposite swimmers, like the way that we swim. And so there were some sets that we would just swim completely differently. Um, like I might like 
sprint it from the beginning and then like, but I might stay the same and like maybe incrementally descend. And he might just have like a giant descend, but he gets down to like something so fast or powerful. So that was cool because I felt like there, I got to work on some things that I don't typically do most of the time. And I could like challenge myself and see how Matt did in like kick sets, which he usually like destroys me on. Um, so yeah, I, I would say Augie felt like that was a challenge to write workouts that both Matt and I could do. But eventually after a few um, weeks of it, uh, he started to kind of say, okay, well, Leah's gonna do an extra round. Um, or like, here's a little extra pull set for Leah. So, mm. or like, you know, Matt, why don't you descend these instead of best average? Or why don't you um, like do a hundred instead of a 150? And so we got to like play around with it, but it was nice um, just getting to rate someone like that again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously it's always great having a training partner, but you said that and I'm kind of like, they're pretty different swimmers, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so that's cool. And then, then of course, uh, you get to Budapest, you're in the ISL bubble. Um, you represented the Tokyo Frog Kings. And so, if, I mean, first of all, just what was it like being, you know, being a citizen of the U S and, and being on a team that, that represents another country. Yeah, that was super cool. I, so around like, I don't know when everybody was sort of signing with teams, but I had hesitations about going due to COVID and I didn't really decide until I would say pretty late comparatively. Cause I think a lot of people had decided like, based on the teams that they were on last year and they just knew they were going to do it again. Um, and so they had decided like in the spring, but I was just didn't know if I wanted to do it. And I didn't know with the more time I had out of the pool or out of my training environment, the less I felt um, comfortable going. But then I realized like, there's probably not going to be a lot of meets for a while. And I got like the safety I got to read some of the safety protocol and just see the plan. And I felt really, really good about it after I saw that. And I knew that the frog Kings had um, reached out to me. So I, um, once they reached out, I was like, that could be pretty cool to swim for this team. Like I think I just saw it as like a fun opportunity to get to know people that I've, haven't swum with before and just to be a part of like building something i thought that that was really cool and it was a great experience i had a lot of fun with the japanese team and so i i think before i started i only knew two people on the team i think katie deloof and brad tandy was the only people i knew and now I just have all these like new friends and I would say like before, like I didn't know a lot of the Japanese swimmers. Oh, and I knew Ryosuke. I didn't know a lot of the Japanese swimmers. And now like I know so many of them and it's just going to be cool to see them at meets and like be invested in their swimming. Um, and yeah, so that was fun. It, 
it is always cool, you know, meeting, meeting people, especially whose names you've seen at meets and heat sheets and results before. And you're like, I know your name and I, I might mm-hmm. know your face or what you look like, but now, like you said, I'm going to be a little more invested in how you're doing, what your results are, you know, what, what the context behind those numbers might be. And so yeah. I think that's one definitely cool thing about the swimming community and, and just, you know, meeting new swimmers was there something was there like something that surprised you or stood out to you? Cause I'm guessing, you know, there were some cultural differences that occurred in that six week period. Yeah, I think, let's see. One of the cool things, um, they were asking me like, what do you call your coach? Like, what's your sign of respect that you say like for your coach's name? And I was like, I call my coaches Augie, Pete, Cliff. Like I call them by their first names. Um, So I don't really have, if a coach prefers that you call them like coach something, then of course I would call them that. But they were like saying that when you're talking to someone like who's, I guess, superior or like in charge of you, there's like different terms of respect. So there was one coach that was in charge of my group, Yoji. And they call him sensei. And so I panicked because I was like, I haven't been calling him sensei. I've been calling him Yoji. Like, have I been disrespectful? (laughs) And so they understood. They were like, no, because you're not Japanese. So you didn't know that. Um, But that was interesting to learn. And then, yeah, I would say just in general, I feel like they're very respectful. And we did um, an exercise after one of our meets one of the days we did like a little team warm down and then we got out and we like thanked the pool. Um, and we did this exercise where they said some stuff in Japanese. And then I think we all said something together and then we bow and like thank the pool. So I thought that was neat because I just think that everybody could use a little bit of like time where they just reflect and they're just thankful and like have a lot of gratitude for being able to do what they do. And I feel like that was very evident to me that that's, that's a part of their culture. So, yeah. That, that is really cool. Uh, like you said, I think gratitude can go a long way. A, a little gratitude can go a big way uh, or make a big difference. And that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> go Tokyo Frog Kings. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, what was also neat was like, so many people were like, but you don't speak Japanese. How did you even, how did you even communicate? And there were a lot of us or not a lot, but there were maybe 10 of us that spoke English. So of course I could talk to those people. And then there were a few staff members that spoke English and Japanese. So they were able to translate things back and forth. And then Ryosuke was a big help because I would try to get in his lane every day because I knew that he could tell me what the set was. Um, and <laughs> one, of the, one of the staff members could also, was also announcing the sets in English. And, um, but I would kind of like try to, um, I mean, the sets were written down also. And after a while, like I kind of caught on to like what they were communicating with different, um, 
like, I wasn't able to read Japanese by the end, but um, some days the coach would write my name in Japanese if I had like an extra set. So that was cool. I, so I know my, my name's Japanese characters. Um, but then like, you know how some coaches might be like, before an interval, they'll be like, okay, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I started to like memorize what that is in Japanese. So uh, after a few weeks, like I knew, I felt like I fit in. Um, and I, I wasn't like, what's going on? So yeah. That's, I, I feel like that's really important to, to obviously to be successful as an individual and, and on a team. And that is really cool that you got that feeling over time. And, you know, you were able to memorize snippets and kind of, kind of, kind of get some stuff down. Um, mm-hmm. that, that is really neat. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you know, you're talking about practices, you're talking about training. What was it like just being in that training environment, maybe versus, you know, being in a normal like national team training environment? Yeah, I think it was cool because so Dave Salo was um, one of the head coaches and mm-hmm. he had us warm up together every day for about 20 minutes or so. And I really liked that because I feel like that helped kind of create a team sense of team for us. And it was cool because some days we might do a warm up that things that the Japanese swimmers do. And then some days, you know, Dave would have us do something unique that he does like different drills. And so every, like everybody's doing something one day or the next day that they're not used to. And so, you know, everybody's kind of like, what are we doing or what's this? And you're just trying out something new. And so I felt like that was a good bonding experience. Um, But yeah, it was cool for me to train with. um, So my group had Marcus Thormeyer, me, Ryosuke, um, Chihiro Igarashi, um, Suzuka was in it some days and so that was really cool to just see how they train and like Suzuka was crushing two flies at all the meets and but I got to see her in practice crushing it too so that was really awesome to see and then Chihiro is someone that I've raced for a few years now uh, and I met her in 2016 at Short Horse Worlds but we hadn't really ever talked I remember we she like pointed at me and was like 21 because we were both 21 years old. And that's like the most we could say to each other. Um, and so I got to know her a lot more and still neither of us. Um, well, she, she speaks more English than I do Japanese, but anytime we wanted to like really communicate, we would just ask one of the people who could translate for us, or we would just use a little apps on our phone to ask each other questions. So that was really cool. Um, And I felt like it's, yeah, like kind of like we talked about before, once you get to race someone and practice with them, it's um, just adds like a different level to keeping up with them as a swimmer. Yeah, for sure. What was, (laughs) I have to ask, you know, like you said, Suzuka Hasegawa was just crushing 200 Mm -hmm. flies. I'm, I'm pretty sure she ended the season with the top time in the ISL. Um, 
I I don't I don't know if anyone ever beat her to meet maybe maybe Haley Flickinger, but I don't I don't know. She was she was killing it. Um, wh- what was practicing? You know, was she, you said she was killing it in practice as well. She was. So there was one day that stuck out to me, and Isa was also very nice because I was able to get a bigger chunk of long course in, mm. and so. I was pretty happy about that, but it also, you know, not having trained long course since uh, March going there was like the training camp, like was kind of, you're supposed to be getting ready for the meets, but it was like, also like, I'm also getting into long course shape, which was difficult, but Mm -hmm. super fun still. And (laughs) there was one day that stuck out to me and I brought that up because it was really hard for me to hit long course pace some days uh and so one day we did a set that was i think it was something like eight fifties three at 200 pace plus two um and then like one easy mm-hmm. and then it was like six fifties at 200 pace plus one uh two fast one easy and then four fifties all at 200 pace and then four more fifties fast. And I'm like, 200 pace is fast. <laughs> um, that is my top so, end. <laughs> mm-hmm, I just remember swimming next to her and I was doing free obviously. And she was doing fly. And I think, I think my last three fifties and my 200 are somewhere in the 29s. So I was hoping to go like 29 lows. And I think I was on some of them. And then I just like look over and she's like going like 30 point lows. And I was like, I need to go faster. (laughs) Um, But that was really cool. She was just crushing it. And I could tell even before I saw her swim at all the meets, like that she was going to do really well. And then she did. So that was cool. That is cool. Good God. 30 point lows is pretty beastly. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, she might've been going some 29s in there. I don't really remember the specifics of the set, but I just do remember that it would be like, I touch and then she's right there. Man. Yeah. (laughs) So anytime you're keeping up with freestylers and you're not doing freestyle is pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Uh, and, and so then, I mean, Suzuka was killing it. You had a number of teammates on the Tokyo frog Kings who raced really well all season. You went five for five and every time you were undefeated in the 400 free, um, which, uh, I don't, I think you raced it once in 2019. Um, but then you, you got to race five times, uh, this season undefeated. Um, I mean, how do you feel like the racing went in, in that bubble for you? Yeah. So I, about maybe two weeks before I left, I suited up and we have a short course meters pool at U of A. Mm. And so I was able to do like a little suit up set in there. And I think I did like a 300 fast and I don't really remember what I did after that. I just know there was a 300 in it. And I think I went like 303. So I was like, okay, this that's good. Like, that's a start. I can work with that. Um, and I think it was like an 800 geared set. So it was like a 300 
and then like three 100s and then a few 50s. Mm -hmm. um, so to go like a 303, not trying to go all out, I was like, this is good. I can um, really like build on this. And I felt like I had momentum. And then, but I, you know, I knew I hadn't raced in a while. I hadn't had like a ton of training under my belt at that point. So I really just wanted to go to ISL and like feel stronger each time I swam. And I knew that that's usually how things go for me. Like the more meets I go to, I just keep feeling stronger and I just get a lot of like race practice. Um, that just like really helps me. So it was definitely my goal to like, if I didn't start out where I really wanted to be, um, to like build into that. And I still would have liked to be faster in the last meet, but I was pretty happy with kind of my progression and that, um, every time I swam, I was just trying to like get my hand on the wall first and get points for my team. So that was a fun time. Yeah. And, and so then, you know, having had some time to digest that experience, just swimming wise, um, how do you, what do you feel like you took away from your time in the ISL bubble? Yeah, let's see. I was just thinking about it and I was like, dang, I miss all of my like national team friends and like all the people I got to know on the frog Kings. And I think I like took for granted that I got to like see people every day, like multiple people. I still get to see my team at U of A, but like it's in practice and we're not really like lingering around and, mm -hmm. um, basically I just see my boyfriend and that's it. Uh, and I think I took for granted that like the bubble felt super safe and we all felt like really good about that. And just being able to like go to the lobby and like have coffee with a friend one day, like, um, like that you don't get to see that often or just like the, I don't know, some days we would like walk back from the pool after practice. Um, that was really nice just to like, just exist and sort of feel safe and get to compete. So I, I do miss that a lot. It was a lot of racing though. I think because our team got there a week later than Oh, that's right. Most yeah. of the team. So us in Toronto had a week less. And, but so that we still had to squeeze um, five meets into four weeks. So I remember finishing one yeah. meet and <laughs> it was like, if we finished on Tuesday, we had Wednesday and Thursday to recover. And then the next meet was Friday. So Wednesday was spent recovering from the meet and then thursday was we ever the day before all the meets we always just did race pre meet prep day so you didn't swim a workout with that was already written you just did whatever you needed to do so if that was a workout then you can do that but if it if that's um only like three thousand then you do that too so that was interesting like you have one day to swim down from the meet and then you have one day to prep for the next one. 
Um, that, is, that is interesting. But it was a good challenge. I've never had that type of challenge before. Um, I've had back-to-back dual meets, but it's like you swim a dual meet on Friday and you swim a dual meet on Saturday. Not like you swim um, – that's like two days of racing. But, yeah, so that was neat. Cool experience. Yeah. the I mean, like you, I, I really like what you said about just – especially where we are right now globally with this pandemic, you know, being, being in a bubble and being able to just be outside and exist in safety. I think that's something that I, we've all realized we take for granted sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, so then, you know, moving forward, um, you got a few races in, in December and I'm, I'm guessing, did you have a big block of, of Christmas training this year? Yes. So, um, I got back from ISL and I had a little bit of a quarantine period because I flew and then I sort of the meet, the team was getting ready for their, um, their like invite with GCU. Mm -hmm. So, um, my coaches were like, why don't you just swim in the meet? That's like, you know, I think meets are more fun than practice. So, um, that was interesting (laughs) because it was like 40 degrees and, um, obviously outside. Uh And so, um, we had, we had a fun time. It was a really fun meet. It was cool to swim in a meet. My performances were not exactly strong, but, um, (laughs) I felt like I was sort of about to enter like a big block and I had just gotten back for myself. So yeah. We spent most of December doing long course, which was really nice. Oh. And um, I didn't go home for Christmas, so I got to swim that whole week long course as well. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we're we're just kind of in the thick of it right now. Um, Just that phase where you're dead all the time. (laughs) But I think we're we're we've started to incorporate more speed type um stuff that's not exactly like you know pounding you but yeah so i would say we got we all got back from christmas break and we had already been kind of going at it uh before break and so it's been a good month and a half of hard training it was there any workout that stood out to you over Christmas as being that you did well on that you died on that was um, challenging. Yeah. Let me think about it. Well, okay. So, um, the past like four days I've been kind of like a block of concrete in the water. <laughs> Um, and everything that we've done this week so far has been very difficult. Um, we started off the week on Monday. I was feeling amazing. And I was like, this is going to be, I'm going to kill it this week. And we did, um, we've been doing like, I like the pros swim in the morning with the team. And then we swim long course in sort of in the middle of the day. And then we changed the pool back for the college team. Uh, which has been really nice. And I'm very thankful to my coaches that, um, that we've been able to do that. 
so Monday we did some 400 pace, which was great because, um, kind of like, that's why I brought up, um, throwing in some more like speed stuff. Mm-hmm. So our set was, I think it was basically 24 fifties at 400 pace where you would alternate going two at 400 pace and then a hundred easy and then four and then a hundred easy and then two, four, two, four, two, four. And the okay. two was always on a minute. So those were pretty nice. Okay. Uh, but then the four was on a minute, 55, 50, 45. And um, that was spicy. <laughs> Cause it was just a lot of like going fast and 30 point lows on all of them, which I was pretty happy with. So then um, Wednesday we, so Monday's usually like 400 pace, Wednesday's usually mile pace. So then with how Monday went, I was like, okay, well mile pace should be super easy. (laughs) Um, But we had done like a 3K set of pulling on Tuesday which I love pulling. Uh, I always love pulling. Um, But my arms were just wrecked um, after Tuesday. So I did not do great on the mile, on the mile set, but it was three, four hundreds on five minutes. And they were sort of just like, make it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So they were sort of just make it just kind of like get the volume and uh-huh. So swimming like that, I feel like helps my 800 and mile, just like getting used to doing longer chunks. Um, and then it was three 100s to send a mile pace. And then six fifties at mile pace. And then the second round is two fours, three ones, six fifties. Third round is one four, three ones, six fifties. And, um, my arms just felt like a million pounds on that. So I didn't exactly excel, but <laughs> I did my best. And then to finish it off, well, we're not even done with the week. Oh, but today we did 2075s. And so Augie always writes on Tuesday and Thursday, we always kick. Um, the whole practice is kick. The distance group does pulling before it. Um, mm-hmm. So we come in a little early. And so we did 2075s and the first lap was kick on a board. The second lap was underwater. And the third lap was swim. And it was starting on 130 and you drop five seconds each round. And then once you don't make it, you- each round of what? Or each, each 75. So like one on 130, one on 125, one on 120. And when you stop making it, you take that one off and you add 10 seconds to the interval you missed. And then you do the rest of them on that interval. So that was really, really hard. I I made a minute and I missed 55. Um, And so I did the rest of them on 105. So I didn't, kicking's not like, I'm not the best at it, but I did my best. So yeah, Augie and Pete 
wrote some spicy workouts this week. <laughs> oh, wow. I just want to say thank you. That was both enlightening and hysterical. And uh, <laughs> I, I loved <laughs> getting to hear about all that. But that's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, man. So if you're listening out there, that's that's what an Olympian does in four <laughs> days of practice. <laughs> wow. Uh, so so you're like you said, you're in the thick of it. Um, moving forward, you know, to 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 wrap up our chat. What are you looking for? Obviously, we've got Olympic trials on the horizon. Um it just in these next couple months, uh, what are you looking forward to? Do you have any kind of plan for, you know, training? Obviously there might be pro swims that, you know, traveling might open up, but, um, do you, do you have a plan or short-term goals just in the next couple months? Yeah, I think I was gearing up to race at Irvine and then after it was canceled, kind of had to like change the plan, but that's something I talked with my coach Pete about is just like, you need to be comfortable with the plan changing and kind of like rolling with it. So I feel okay about that. And I know that, um, that there could be more racing opportunities down the line, but yeah, I would say my plan as of right now is just like after I only had about a month of training before ISL, like with my coaches and team. And so it was really nice getting back just knowing that I wasn't going to have to travel for a while because I could get just a big block and kind of get my base back because I feel like there's a difference between being in racing shape and being in practice shape. Um, and for me, like going to ISL was so worth it because I knew that I would get a lot of racing experience there. Um, but it was pretty difficult to, like, like I said, if you have two days in between the meet, like I didn't exactly go up and do seven K on those two <laughs> or seven K like practices on those two days. Um, it's sort of like you needed to work with the time you had. So I was pretty um, like looking forward to getting back to Tucson and just having a good block. And so when I wasn't able to go to Irvine, I kind of, now I'm kind of seeing that as a positive because I can just keep working hard. Um, But yeah, I wanted to get a big block, big base after ISL. And I think like as the team starts to focus on Pac-12s and NCAAs, we'll be doing more speed stuff, which uh, will kind of help me help me too because I think at that point hopefully I'll be going to some meets and we'll be able to get in touch with my speed there and then yeah I think honestly this everything has been so unpredictable and I feel like I've gotten very comfortable with that and I'm ready to attack things and make a plan but I'm not going to be upset when the plan has to change I, that seems like the story of the year, Yeah, you know, making a plan, but, but, but also being very fluid and yeah, that, that seems like a really good approach. And that's kind of, it seems like what, what you have to do right now. Um, mm-hmm. 
So Leah, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down, chat with me for a bit. Any parting thoughts before we sign off today? Um, I don't think I have anything. Maybe just um, like a message to like younger swimmers out there is just that like, it's been such a tough past year. Um, and just take time to like reflect and kind of what I, what I spoke about with uh, some things I observed with the Japanese team. Like, I think I, it's super beneficial to have an added level of gratitude in everything you do now, because we have been experiencing things being taken away and taking things for granted. And so, um, that's kind of the energy I'm trying to bring into 2021 is like an added level of just being happy with where I am and and trying to take things step by step and being super grateful that I have my health and that I can even swim right now. So yeah, that's my advice. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.